0: The Council of Trent has commanded priests to occasionally explain the mystical significance of our ceremonies. So this morning we'll start by considering why we traditionally veil the cross and the statues during Passion Tide. To get a clear grasp on this, we'll take just a moment to review by considering a few reflections from a German theologian. As usual, will just cut and paste the quotes today. Quote, the altar is a place where heaven is opened up. It does not close off the church, but opens it up and leads it to the eternal liturgy, close quote. Now, we've considered that many times before, that the altar is the very threshold of heaven. So, the altar is the place where heaven is opened up. It does not close off the church, but opens it up and leads it into the eternal liturgy. The altarpiece is like a window through which the world of God comes out to us. The curtain of time is raised, and we are allowed a glimpse into the inner life of the world of God. This art is intended to insert us into the liturgy of heaven. The image of Christ and the images of the saints are not photographs. Their whole point is to lead us beyond what can be apprehended at the merely material level, to awaken new senses in us, and to teach us a new kind of seeing, which perceives the invisible in the visible. The sacredness of an image consists precisely in the fact that it comes from an interior vision and thus leads us to such an interior vision. It must be a fruit of contemplation, of an encounter in faith with the new reality of the risen Christ. And so it leads us in turn into an interior gazing, an encounter in prayer with the Lord. The image is at service of the liturgy. Close quote, Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger. Okay. So what is the Holy Father telling us? He's telling us that the altar is the edge of heaven. It doesn't close the church, but it actually mystically opens the church up, and it's our point of contact with the eternal liturgy in heaven. The eternal liturgy in heaven is exactly what St. Paul is referring to in today's epistle when he talks about Christ entering once for all into the heavenly sanctuary. And, of course, during the holy sacrifice of the Mass, we're regularly reminded... Of this stupendous fact, the absolutely astonishing fact that right here in this place, right there, when we celebrate the Holy Mysteries, we're actually really and truly in contact with and in union with the eternal liturgy of heaven. Just consider what the priest will sing today in the preface and what we'd sing in the sanctus. Here's excerpts just from today's preface. The preface is the part, uh, he's got that little uh, back and forth, and then and then he starts saying, very dignified, used to Mast." okay? Think about this. This is the translation. It's truly right and just, proper and helpful unto salvation, that we always and ever give thanks unto thee, O Holy Lord, Father Almighty, eternal God, dot, 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 through Christ our Lord. Through the same Christ, the angels praise thy majesty, the dominations adore thee, and the powers tremble in awe. Through him also, the heavens and the virtues of heaven join the blessed seraphim in celebrating their joyous praise. We beg thee to let our voices blend with theirs. Did everybody catch that? We beg thee to let our voices blend with theirs. Whose voices are we begging God to blend with? The angels. He went through a whole series of choirs and angels, all those choirs and angels. We beg thee to let our voices blend with theirs. As in humble praise we say, Holy, Holy Lord, God of hosts. That's the Sanctus. There's the Sanctus. And nothing could be more clear that during the Sanctus, through our union with Christ and in Christ, we've actually been taken up, as it were, by the divine liturgy. So we're now united. Our voices are united with theirs, actually, and really united with their voices, in the eternal liturgy going on in heaven. That's what's going on in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. It's our ability to come in contact with these mysteries in heaven. Okay, so we've seen the altarpiece is like a window that allows us to catch a glimpse into the heavenly realities. By the means of art and beauty, the altarpiece is meant to link us with the liturgy of heaven. We've seen the whole point of the crucifix, the whole point of the statues and the images of the saints is to lead us to see spiritual realities, to lead us to penetrate beyond the images themselves, to penetrate beyond what we can see with the eyes of our head so we can see Christ and the saints with the eyes of faith. All this is to lead us to a deeper faith, to a deeper relationship with the Lord, okay? That's what the function of those are. We already know all that, but we reviewed it just now in order to better appreciate just why we traditionally veil the cross and ideally the statues during Passion Tide. So why do we veil them? As one spiritual writer explains, this will be a long quote, quote, The one feature of Passion Tide known to all Christians is a purple veil placed over all the images in the church, especially over the crucifix. The crucifix and the drama of the cross seem to be hidden now that they might stand out in a more striking relief on the day of the crucifixion itself. The origin of the custom, however, reveals a deeper significance. The devotion of the early church always regarded the cross as a symbol of victory. Consequently, the cross was adorned with jewels and precious stones. The church first veiled the glorious emblem during the period of her mourning that it might appear more glorious on Easter Day. Today we veil the crucifix to bring a clearer realization of the objective devotion to our Lord and his sufferings to remind us that the picture of human agony is, in fact, the emblem of our king's final victory. There's also an element of mortification in this practice. This veiling of the crucifix and statues reminds us that even from these images we must be detached, that finally we may gather more fruit from an intellectual insight into the last days of our Lord's mortal life than from the physical sight of the cross, The veil mortifies the eyes that we may concentrate all our powers on the interior meaning of the lessons of Passion Tide. Close quote. Very long quote, but it sums up the whole reason. This same point is made by that great doctor of the church, St. John of the Cross, when he teaches that when we see a holy image, like a crucifix or a statue, the church wants us to move from the visible image before our eyes to considering the invisible spiritual realities they represent. St. John of the Cross, quote, let the faithful soul take care, that while contemplating the image, the senses not be absorbed in it, whether that image is material or in the imagination, of beautiful workmanship or of rich adornment, and whether the devotion excites is spiritual or sensible. Let him not regard these outward accidents or dwell upon them, but venerate the image as the church commands, and lift up his mind at once from the material image to that which it represents with the sweetness and joy Of the will resting on God. Close quote, St. John of the Cross, Doctor of the Church. So during Passion Tide, when we see the veiled crucifix, that very veil should draw our attention to the fact that hidden under that veil is something precious, that under that veil is something worthy of contemplation. It should draw our attention to deeper consideration of the spiritual realities of the crucifix under the veil. But that's not just true about Passion Tide veils. It's true of every veil we see in the divine liturgy. For example, the chalice is veiled. Obviously, it's something precious. It holds the very blood of God. The precious blood. St. Paul is alluding to that our Lord is passing into the holy of holies in heaven with. It holds the precious blood of God. Talk about spiritual realities. When we see that veil, we should think about what's behind it. Or the tabernacle. The tabernacle's veiled. There's the living God right there. He's alive. That veil draws our attention to it. And if we just take a moment to consider spirituality with the eyes of the faith, what do we see? All the angels in heaven gathered here around that tabernacle, prostrate, crying out, Sanctus, 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 adoring the Lamb. When we sing the Sanctus, that's when we intersect with what they're doing right now. We're lifted up into that level at that point in time. Right there, that's going on. Right there, our Lord is alive. They're great mysteries. And the veil is a sign of these great mysteries. The mystery of the cross. The mystery of the precious blood shed for our redemption. The mystery of the real presence of our Lord. Body, blood, soul, and divinity. The most blessed sacrament altar. The mystery that God is here living among men. The veils we see every day. Day in and day out. Speak to us of these mysteries. They're so great. These are things that are so profoundly holy, they can't even be handled. These are mysteries so profoundly holy, they can only be handled by men specifically set aside and consecrated to do so. When we see a veil in the divine liturgy, it ought to just stop us dead in our tracks and draw our attention to the fact that hidden under that veil is something precious and really worth pondering. Now, without intending to single anyone out, we'll touch on another great mystery. Obviously, here at traditional Mass, some of the most obvious veils are those covering the head of the women. We've talked about the meaning of the bridal veil before. Remember that on one level, as everybody knows, and as St. Paul makes clear in 1 Corinthians, the veil is a visible sign that the woman is under the authority of her man. These days, the idea of submission to the authority of the husband tends to be frowned upon, to put it mildly. But it shouldn't be... Once we realize that the bridal veil signifies the submission of this particular woman to the loving care of her husband. It signifies her trust and her confidence in his Christ-like leadership. It signifies that she has chosen to follow him as a loving partner and companion. It also signifies that he has been specifically consecrated to handle that sacred vessel, to safely touch that ark. And that's something mysterious and beautiful. But that doesn't explain why little girls would wear a veil, does it? It doesn't explain why professed virgins, nuns, religious sisters would wear veils, does it? Obviously, the mystical symbolism of a veil goes far, far beyond the relationship of one particular woman to one particular man. What does it mean? What sort of a mystery is being presented to us when we see a woman veiled before the altar? It's a very great mystery. Like Our Lady... Every Catholic woman, as a woman, as a woman, is a living icon of the church. Every Catholic woman, as a woman, is a living icon of the church. So when she veils herself here, in the presence of our Lord, it's a visible reminder for all of us of this spousal relationship, the bridal relationship, between the church and Christ. That relationship between the church and Christ is a very great mystery indeed. So whenever we see a veiled woman here before the altar, be she six or be she 60, it's a visible reminder for all of us of this spousal, this bridal relationship between Christ and his church. And because the veil also signifies the submission of the bride to the love and care of her husband, it means that the veil of a Catholic woman is also a visible reminder of the perfect submission of the church to the loving rule of Christ. The veil is a visual sermon. It's a visual statement. It's a public proclamation before the Lord that he is the Lord and that we love them and we're ready to obey him. It's a totally countercultural statement, proclaiming obedience in the midst of, of a culture that's totally permeated with this attitude of I will not serve. That, in any age, but especially in ours, is a very great mystery indeed. What about a religious sister? Of course, a nun, a religious sister, always keeps her head veiled, wherever she is. Why? Because she's been consecrated to be always and everywhere a living icon of the church. Her veil is a constant Visible reminder to all of the spiritual eyes to see of the spouse relationship between the church and Christ. OK, like our lady. But she's taking that wherever she is, not just before the Lord, but wherever she's before the Lord in a different way all the time. That's one of her missions to the world. Veils mean something. Now that we have an idea what they mean, let's close with something worth pondering. As everyone knows, what we do here before the altar means something. It really means something. So let's do a thought experiment. Let's imagine a time would happen with massive numbers of Catholic women throughout the entire world would come into church and present themselves before the altar without a veil. Individually, subjectively, that might not signify anything in particular. It doesn't necessarily for any individual. We're not saying that. But collectively, that would definitely mean something for anyone who had the spiritual eyes to see. It would definitely mean something. Okay, so what would it mean? Keeping in mind, we're not talking about any particular woman at all. We're pondering a situation involving massive, massive numbers of women. What would it mean, spiritually speaking, if there ever should come such a time which massive numbers of Catholic women would present themselves before the altar unveiled? Or worse yet, if we ever had a time when massive numbers of religious women would present themselves anywhere without their veils. Given the fact that here before the altar, the Catholic woman is a living icon of the church, and the veil on a Catholic woman, she 6 or she 60, is a public and a visible reminder of the perfect submission of the church to the loving rule of Christ. If this time should ever come, it would be a visible sign to all of the spiritual eyes to see that the church in her human element was not living in submission to the loving rule of Christ. It would be a visible sign that the church in human element was in fact in a great rebellion against her spouse. And the Greek word for rebellion is apostasy. In a situation like that would be a sign of another thing, too, for all who have the spiritual eyes to see. Just what would that be? Well, it would be a sign of the unveiling. A visual prefigurement of the unveiling, obviously. A sign of the unveiling, what's that supposed to mean? Well, the woman is the icon of the church, the bride of Christ. So if massive numbers of Catholic women began to appear before the heavenly spouse without their veils, it would be certainly a visual foreshadowing of the unveiling. That's probably a whole lot easier to understand if we use the word, the term derived from the Greek. The Greek derivative for the unveiling of a bride is the apocalypse.